All right, welcome to a Vape Week Impromptu. Uh, for the disappointed, uh, Russ will not be doing a show tonight. It's unfortunate because I think that he is the best host in the business, and uh, he covers the topics the best they always are. But in lieu of that, and because there is no time to wait, there is another show, and uh, that's this. Okay, so uh, today what I'd like to talk about is just the the abundance of things that are going on. So I think what I'd like to do is to go over and look at this uh, video, uh, which was uh, put out by uh, the professionals over at uh, Regulator Watch, which is a firm out of an entity at least, out of the uh, Canada, and uh, the guy's name is Brent, and I think people have seen his videos, he's interviewed uh, the likes of Dr. F, he's talked about all sorts of different things, and uh, last night, or actually this morning, he put out a video called, uh, Do Vapors Eat Their Young? And so I'm going to play this whole 7 minute, uh, 40 second uh, clip right now, and, uh, and then I'll be back after that. And actually, no, I won't be back after that. I will be stopping and starting this thing as as it goes, uh, interjecting my two cents uh, and being a Budinsky. They're young. It may be an old cliche to describe when a community turns on itself, cannibalizing its own members at the expense of shared goals, but it seems appropriate to describe what's happening today in the vaping advocacy movement. As the reality of harsh new regulations sink in, a wave of acrimony and infighting has swept across the movement to both Canada and the U.S. What dangers does this pose? And is it exclusive to vaping advocacy, or is it endemic to all activist movements? Over the past month, RegWatch put these questions to advocates, stakeholders, and some of the most well-known names in vaping media. A lot of people right now are really riled up. The aggression levels are off the scale. And instead of focusing on the actual opponent's enemy and the things at hand, they go for the easy target, which is pretty much ourselves. You see that a lot when, when, when chaos breaks out and, and uh, tensions start brewing, and especially if you throw a lot of fear into uh, the mix. And let's face it, FDA regulations coming down uh, definitely gets a lot of people and a lot of business owners fearful. Vaping activists eat their young. Yeah, uh, you know what, there's too much infighting. And uh, people aren't getting along, but really the message has to be clear and we need to have a, a unified front or else we're just going to tear ourselves apart and government's just going to sit back and let us do the work for them. But why is there so much infighting? That's a good question. I think we just need some strong characters to kind of step up, uh, call, make a call for people to just drop it, you know, drop the drama uh, and get working together again because we, we do need the numbers. Right now, we got some of the most powerful people lobbying against us. You know, pharmaceutical industry, tobacco industry. Um, we we can't we can't afford to not be unified against them. The amount of splintering, the amount of kind of backbiting, the amount of uh, uh, kind of what we call you know vapors eating their young. It seems to us that have been covering regulation well for me 25 years. It seems to me that this movement can't really win if people within the advocacy, vapors and stuff don't come together. It's very simple. We're a lot stronger together than we are separate, right? If we were one voice, one organized, coordinated voice, we would have a lot more power, you know, not only uh, here in Canada, but in the United States, in the UK, you know, everywhere. You don't only see this with vapors, but you see it with the advocacy groups too, right? I mean, how many advocacy groups are there out there? And they don't always get along. 
So I'm not sure that's Phil Brasardo, and he's saying that the advocacy groups don't get along. So uh, he's also saying it'd be great if there was one. Well, last I checked, there was sort of a coalition, and uh, Dimitri is saying that he wasn't invited over to that. I find that hard to believe, and I find it also equally hard to believe that he would be such a wallflower that he wouldn't pick up the phone and ask to participate. And that's a big problem. Things after the FDA came out, you know, a week ago, with the uh, with the rules, a lot of our viewers that are in the U.S. and we get a, have a lot of viewers down there were responding back and were very upset with the industry. With the they, industry. With the industry. Okay. They feel the industry has let them down. Why aren't you suing yet? How come it took so long? How come you didn't make this happen with the FDA? Why did the ball get dropped by? The advocates in the industry, the retailers, the device manufacturers, and the e-juice makers, there's a certain extent saying, what the heck happened? We have the advocacy meetings at, at events like this, okay? Okay, so Phil is at an event, and he's talking about advocacy meetings and events. And so I think it's kind of a bad premise to think that having advocacy meetings at events other than perhaps the b2b stuff um is going to make that much of an impact um i i think that that the whole premise of uh pushing everybody down to the end of a hall screaming fuck you if you're not part of this industry fuck you i i think it's uh you know i just don't think it's going to work and that's not how any other industry has ever worked before but if, if people want to believe that going into a Saturday afternoon trade show uh, with a whole bunch of different, basically a uh, street fair inside, uh, if that's the place to, to, to corral people to become advocates, um, it's just a failed model. It never worked, and it's, uh, it's seven years down the line. It's not going to suddenly start to work. It's not the right approach. The problem is at the advocacy meetings, you have 10 to 20 people who show up. But if you're throwing out e-liquid hats and T-shirts, you have ten, you know, you have thousand people that show up, and, and that's a problem. And I said, what, what's okay? So it's not really a problem because it's not the right place to be doing it. It's just Apple. You know, you don't sell a lot of books at the movie theater either. What's gonna happen is you guys are gonna think this advocacy thing is a joke, and then they're gonna try to take this away from us, and you're gonna stomp your feet on the ground, and you're gonna say, what do I have to do to fight it? It's not too late, okay? We still, I mean, there's going to be litigation, there's going to be lawsuits, there's going to be a lot going on, right? So this is not the end of the world. Hopefully it's not the end of the world. But I, I, I think there have been people fighting for advocacy this whole time. I mean, you know, they go to the meetings, they go to Washington, they attend the conferences. There are people out there fighting for this industry. You know, so I don't, I don't know if all of the industry has let us down, but I think some of the industry certainly has, and some vapors have too. Well, and about the vapors, do they not need to adjust their expectations in terms of what life will look like after regulation? So, you know, I think everybody has been kind of sitting around, you know, like fat and happy, and everybody's like enjoying having a great time with this, and nobody realizes how, how important this is that this stays around. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, with regulation, the, the, the industry is going to be regulated. Uh, I think that everybody realizes, you know, it it's, could go away. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't. Uh, who who doesn't? Okay, and what vaping will look like maybe three or four years from now may not be exactly what it looks like today.
for, for the United States, a country that suffers from tobacco-related illnesses, not to look at this as a way to protect their, their, their citizens and create its own category under the FDA. We want regulations. It's not like we don't want any regulations. We just want fair and reasonable. Infighting and all the splintering groups and yeah. all the vapors eat their young yeah. kind of attitude, yeah. because does that help or does that hurt? Uh, for the last four or five years, we've been shooting our foot as an industry but the truth is it's a cutthroat business look okay so i don't think that the vaping industry is a cutthroat business i think it's uh a a collaborative business and it's it's a social business uh there's a lot of things about it but um i don't think it's a cutthroat business i don't think that people are taking knives and sabotaging people out there and you know if, if people are doing I, I kind of use a racetrack uh, analogy uh, that we're all on the same track and we're all trying to race as fast as possible and 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 cut people off with their cars but not to cut their throats and it's not like we're going to slash people's tires everybody wants to win but everybody's concerned about each other's safety. And, and if it wasn't like that, there wouldn't be this thing we call the vape community. So, you know, uh, if you, somebody wants to make advocacy cutthroat, uh, if somebody wants to make business cutthroat, I do not think that's systemic in the industry. I don't think that's what our industry is about. And I've seen competitors, you know, strict competitors, uh, that they'll sit down and, and they'll try and work on the same things. Uh, and when we're talking about the Silicon Valley of, uh, of vaping, which is Southern California, it's a lot like Silicon Valley. Uh, I mean, a lot of ideas and things uh, that made Silicon Valley what it is occurred because people would eat at the same places. They'd go over to Harry's Hofbrau on Saratoga Avenue, or they'd go over to this other place, and they would share meals with each other, and then they would exchange their, technically, their their patented ideas and stuff. And that's why all these companies sprang up in, in there. So that's what's happened in Southern California. And so there there is a community of vendors that is competing. It's like race car drivers that all are sharing the same track. They all want to win. But, you know, the difference between cars number 10 and 30 in a pack of 100, they're not trying to cut each other's throats. There's no need to. So when somebody puts out that, you know, it's going to be a cutthroat business, I don't accept that. And I think that is emblematic of a problem. All the vapors eat their young yeah. kind of attitude, yeah. because does that help or does that hurt? And for the last four or five years, we've been shooting our foot as an industry. But the truth is, it's a cutthroat business. Look, there's, there's 60, 70 liquid companies inside there. They're all selling strawberry milk or whatever the hottest flavor is. So obviously there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of young people. So yeah, you do have that infighting between the companies. You can't get them to come together because that competition factor is there. My juice is better than your juice. You know, I sell more, you sell more. I try to get into shops. But even from the advocacy groups, need money just like the vendors. So obviously there's a competition there. They want to be like, oh, I'm from... So we're now talking about hashtag competition advocacy, which was a joke uh, not more than six months ago. And now it's being put out there on a news reporter uh, that it, it is competition advocacy. So, you know, he's about to trash Safada, saying that, you know, uh, if Safada gets in the lead, uh, you know, uh, there's a problem there. But I, I just 
want to say right here that you know the next time Dimitri comes up and says, "Oh look, you know uh, everybody just needs to get along," he can start with his fucking self. Obviously, there's a competition there. They want to be like, "Oh, I'm from Sfara and we led this fight, so follow us, so we can get more money." Or we're from Casa, or from the VTA. So. Just like we have competing liquids, we have competing advocacy groups as well, too. The problem always in the United States has been there hasn't been one federal umbrella to come out and say, we're going to lead. Follow our lead. You have to be able to fund that. You have to be able to continue to push money into it to have a positive influence in the United States. You need money. So if you follow that, at the beginning, he says Safada uh, does something good and they're going to want to get people to support them so they can get more money. And he describes that as a bad thing at the start. And then later on, he says the only way that something's ever going to work is that if some national group gets out there and, uh, you know, has enough money to work. So he's, he's directly self-contradicting himself. And I, and I and and you know we're gonna go over what he said on his show about why he left Safada. So there's some sort of animosity between Dimitri and Safada, and for all I know, it it, it flows to anybody that's still working with Safada. But there is definitely clearly animosity between Dimitri and Safada. And so the next person here is a. Uh, He's a regulatory guy. I'll read it as he says the it. The activism that's around vaping is that they eat their young. Oh, yeah. That happens all the time, though. This is Douglas Elliott. He uh, works for the constitutional lawyer for the Canadian Vaping Association. Every movement, you know, uh, I, I've seen this happen repeatedly where you have these palace coups within organizations and the executive director gets thrown out the window for for good reasons or bad. Um, it's happened in the AIDS movement, it's happened in disability rights movement. There's no king of vaping, you know? There's no, no one is the pope of the vaping association. There's no... Well, obviously he's not too familiar because there's some people saying that they're the Greek god of vaping. Uh, so uh, we might not have a pope, uh, but we've got a god. Central control. You've got a bunch of people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, who have an, uh, a passion about what they're doing, and an activist outlook. Well, then it becomes like herding cats when you're trying to get people to all pull in the same direction. And, you know, uh, you, inevitably you're going to get some splintering, you're going to get some uh, differences about strategy and tactics and what the priorities ought to be. That's perfectly normal. In fact, I think it's healthy. It shows that you've got a robust movement where the, when there's that kind of passionate, informed debate about how to go about things. So, but it's still yet important with all the, with the splintering to get together though, isn't it? Absolutely, and you can do it. You can do it when people agree on what is critical. Well, that's it for this edition of so I think that's true. We can agree on what is critical. And I think that uh, that is what the coalition has done. There's the AVA, there's Safada, there's CASA, there's AIMSA, and uh, there's Not Blowing Smoke, who have gotten together. And uh, as far as I know, Dimitri uh, has not asked to get onto that, uh, nor has the VTA, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, 
he speaks a lot for the VTA. Neither as Sevia. Um, and if if they want to ask to get on it, I think it's appropriate to to for them to go ahead and do that. Now I don't know what all the invitation process that it is. I am uh, not uh, uh, you know I don't have an association. I am not an association. I was not on the invited list. I wasn't expecting to be on the invited list. But if I thought I should be, I would have picked up the phone. So anybody could have picked up the phone. So they still can. So I'm now going to segue uh, into uh, a broadcast that just blew my mind last night. Um, and it's it's from the chairman of the board of Sevia, uh, as well as other things. Uh, so uh, if you don't want to listen to this, it's time to hang up or, or not. Uh, and uh, the phone lines are open. Would you like to put your point of view out into the public? Would you like to have your say? Would you like to correct the record? Anybody and everybody is welcome to call 347-308-8329. And I see now that we have no calls, but you are welcome to call. All right, so I'm back. Uh, and so this next section is going to be probably a little out of sequence. But what had happened uh, is that a person by the name of Grim Green expressed some reservations about a newly formed organization that sprang out uh, within the last uh, essentially five months, um, which is VTA. Now, VTA, at this point, it's getting people signing on. It's also uh, ha- has a uh, a blood feud with Safada for whatever reason because uh, apparently board members took off uh, and there was some sort of board fight and it was just exactly what that guy from the Canadian Vaping Association was talking about uh, uh, bala- uh, battles in the palace I think that's what he called it and uh, where uh, people will get thrown out rightfully or wrongfully so this is. Uh, this is apparently old hat for for some people. Uh, I mean, people have heard of this. He said it was uh, an issue that uh, that occurred in various other movements. You'll get to hear it. So I'm gonna just let this thing play, and then uh, just when you thought that you're not gonna have me interrupt, I'll probably interrupt. But we'll see how it goes. You know, I tried to ignore it, but then I was like, "Where is this coming from? Where is it? Where is this this animosity, this hate, this envy, this jealousy, these this misinformation coming from?" And Somebody directed me to Nick's video, Grim Green. Um, uh, he made a vlog, I think it was about a week ago, uh, when he was on his way to VPX uh, Vegas, and he talks about the v- uh, VTA inside this video. And I just want to play that clip, and I want to address specifically what is being said here. I'm taking off my Grim Green hat. This is just me as a consumer, kind of from the outside, looking in at the vaping world and all of this. There's this organization called the VTA. Okay, the Vapor Technology Association, and they kind of just came out of nowhere, right? Does anybody know like where they came from or who runs it? There's been something about this organization that has rubbed me the wrong way. You know what I mean? And I said this in last week's vlog, it's dumb not to use every tool we have in our arsenal. And I absolutely stand by that. And if the VTA is going to be an ally to the vape community, then absolutely I will. I, I welcome them with open arms and I, I want them to help us in this fight. But, oh, lane splitting, okay. I get it, you have a loud bike, so cool. 
Wow, you're so cool with your loud bike. You're just so cool. Anyway, the VTA. Something has been rubbing me the wrong way about the VTA. And it's nothing tangible, and it's nothing I can put my finger on, but I've been in the vape community. I mean, community, community, for the, for seven years now. We started this in 2009. I went to the first vape event ever, ever in the history of vaping. I was at the first vape event over the last seven years. I can't even count how many vape events I have been to. I have known Stefan for quite a long time, who runs Not Blowing Smoke. I have known Julie my entire vaping life. Julie, the president of CASA. I've known Greg Connolly for years and years and years, president of the AVA, the American Vapor Association. And I've known Cynthia and Doug from Safada for years and years and years. And I feel like these organizations and the people that run these organizations are vapers. They are part of the community. I've seen Stefan at vape events. I see Greg at vape events. I see Julie at vape events. So I know what their intentions are. So that's why I'm able to willingly, I know these people, willingly give up trust, you know, to these organizations because they're part of the community. They go to vape events and I know without a doubt that they have our best interests in mind. This VTA, I don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? I don't know who they are. I don't know who created it. I don't know who their backers are. I don't know anything about the VTA. I've never seen anybody from the VTA at any vape event. I've never seen the VTA officially set up camp or pay for a booth at any vape event, but they kind of just popped up out of nowhere and now they are really pressing hard that these when these FDA regulations come out and I'm like, uh, like I don't know who you are. I don't know if I should trust you yet. You know what I mean? It's like two dogs when they're on leashes and they're they see each other and they're like uh, I don't know who you are. I don't know if I like you, other dog. And so you're kind of like, oh, and standoffish a little bit. And they could be amazing and they could genuinely help us, but there's just something weird about it. And maybe because they're new and weird and different, but there's just something that is weird. It kind of rubs me the wrong way. It kind of puts a bad feeling in my gut. And oftentimes you do have to trust your gut feeling. So there you have it. All right. So uh, to summarize what I heard from uh, Mr. Grim Green is that uh, he's unfamiliar with this organization. He hasn't seen them at uh, different trade shows. Uh, he knows uh, what he just listed off people in the coalition. And uh, he's just unsure. And uh, this is what is being done on a personal video log uh, as he's driving down uh, to uh, VPX uh uh, Las Vegas. So he's in the car just talking along and uh, that's what that was. So uh, Dimitri uh, replies with So there you have it. And then we say we, we ask ourselves like a community where is all this misinformation coming? Well there's a good start and Nick I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I really am not. I'm just disappointed because you're not just Grim Green the guy that wears the hat. You're a business owner. You're in the industry. You sell e-liquid. So what would any smart businessman do if they didn't know who this association was, especially before you go out and make statements 
that really make you look like you haven't researched the subject. It looked like to me that he didn't research it. It just looked to me like he was saying, uh, I'm not sure what this is. Uh, this is a critical point for the industry. Um, let's talk about these things. I'm doing a video log and here's some, uh, some thoughts. Because it's unquestionable. It's it's just for a fact that this organization, the Vapor Technology Association, sprang out of nothing super fast. Just this year. I mean, they have literally put out an evolution infograph where they start as a prepubescent chimp at the very beginning. And at the end, within four months, they have fully evolved into a lobbyist with a megaphone. I mean... So it's clearly that it's come out from zero to something in a very short time. It, it's that's clear. So, I mean, you know, Grim Green was expressing, hmm, that's more what's what it, it, it's what, it, the whole thing that that's that's the synopsis of what Grim said. Uh, VTA very fast on the thing. Hmm. Let me think about that. That's the whole thing he said. I went and asked questions to the VTA before I joined. Why don't you? And when you ask those questions, you're going to see there's a whole lot more there than what you think, right? Especially since you're such good friends with Sfada and Stefan, and you've known these organizations for so many years, how do you not know that VTA was founded by two former Sfada board members? Why are they former Safada board members? I don't know. How do you not know that? I mean, if you, even if you didn't ask VTA who they are, as you should, how do you not know that two of the biggest board members from Safada left and formed VTA? Why did they leave? I don't know. I didn't even know they were there. How am I supposed to know this? How is any supposed? How is somebody supposed to be following this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. Where's he going with this? Where's he going? One of the board members, of course, was VMR. Uh, this is actually... Uh, VMR is V2. I thought this guy hated V2. Uh, I know he's launched into V2. I know he's called V2 a bunch of liars. He was playing a, an audio with uh, V2 uh, saying uh, V2 is said that they had uh, like uh, 15 different engineers and scientists working off in uh, in uh, China. Uh and he said it was all bullshit. Uh, I know, I remember this, because I actually called in, and he actually yelled at me on this particular thing. So VMR is V2. Uh, fun fact. The vapor company that started Sfada. Sfada was started with VMR. How do you not know that? So when you're telling people, I don't know who these people are, well, that's misleading. No, it's not misleading, Mr. Dimitri. It's what he said. He said he doesn't know who they are. How is that misleading? It's not. You're misleading by saying it's misleading. It's, it's confusing, but it's not misleading. A person said he doesn't know. That's not misleading. That's fessing up to something he's not aware of. It's misleading, and we're given false information. Again, I'm sorry, but you can't say somebody's given false information when they say they don't know. That's not false, unless you can read his mind. I don't mind if you don't like them, or if your your loyalty lies to somebody else. That's. I, I'm sorry, but he didn't say he didn't like them. He didn't say he had loyalty lying to somebody else. He just said, hmm, 
he feels like a dog looking at another dog. So he's not insulting another dog because he's saying he's a dog. Yeah, and, and that, I'm sorry for the people that want to listen straight through it. If you want to listen straight through it, just go over to smokefreeradio.com and you can listen to the whole thing. It's also available on Spreaker, iTunes, and other sources. Fine, but we can't give inaccurate information, especially somebody that has such a huge following like you do. I bought my first mod because of you, bro. 275,000 subscribers. Why would you give false information? Again, it's not false information. And why does he care about 275 subscribers? It's not like 275 subscribers just watched his little video driving to the store or actually driving to the vape expo. The other board member that founded uh, VTA is National Tobacco Company, which is not Big Tobacco. Okay, so National Tobacco, ZigZag, uh, I believe is the name of the company. Nobody, anybody ever hear of ZigZag? Yeah, they're not, they're not tobacco. They're not big tobacco. They're just tobacco. So now we're getting into the game of how large a company, a tobacco company is, whether it's big tobacco or, or not. I mean, they make the roll your own stuff. I mean, it's they're, they're, it's national tobacco. They sell all sorts of stuff. So it's tobacco. Uh, if you want to uh, measure size, I guess you can say it's not RJR. Sure. I have worked with Brittany Cushman. Ask Gregory, your friend, like you said, from AVA, who Brittany Cushman is. I have worked with Brittany Cushman in Tennessee to defeat Beals. I don't even think National Tobacco sells a cigarette. Correct me if I'm wrong. She has worked in Indiana hard for open vapor. She has worked in various states with working with legislators to help open vapor when bad bills come around. Greg's your friend. Why don't you ask him who National Tobacco is? The only reason that VTA was formed officially was because back in May 2015, Svada's board voted to refuse to support H.R. 2058. Okay, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if anybody knows if that's true. That's all brand new news about 2058. Uh, I've never seen anybody declining to support it back in May. Um, I don't know. It sounds like uh, inside politics to me, and there's no way uh, that uh, I, I don't I don't know if uh, Mr. Grim Green is uh, a member of Safada or not. Uh, but I'm unaware of these details. And I still think I have a right to express my confusion. That's when I found out as well what was going on with H.R. 2058. And that's when my association, the TSFA, took it to our members and made the decision to leave Svara. Okay, that's the first time I've ever heard that there was a specific decision by the TSFA to leave Svara. Has, has anybody else heard that? I mean, I remember when... Uh, TSFA was announced and they said that the whole key thing was to be a member of Safada and because they're a member of Safada uh, that it'd be a fantastic thing uh, because they're going to be able to share the knowledge and share the data the, the data and stuff like that and when I heard that back then I thought that Safada was being excessively nice to allow a association to join and that association would clearly be disseminating information out to everybody else. I thought that was a, a big thing of Safada to do, but I didn't know uh, when they left, why they left, and, and what the whole thing is. I have been contacted by a TSFA member, and that TSFA member uh, says that there are no people with skin in the game on the TSFA board. 
the TSFA has board members, but they're they're not businesses. And for some whatever reason, uh, the people who are businesses can't get on. Now I don't know uh, the 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 veracity and the truthfulness of that, but I have no reason to disbelieve them. When that happened, two of the leading Sfada board members, they had to withdraw. Again, news to me. They had to withdraw? Why? I don't know. I, why? Why would that be? They wanted to pursue a strategy to move the predicate date. At the- okay, who doesn't want to pursue a strategy to move the predicate date? And, wh- and how is that strategy different than H.R. 2058 back in May of 2015? At the time, it was H.R. 2058. These are facts, not myths. And you have never seen a member of the VTA? Poor, <laughs> poor Arnold. Uh, he's a sponsor on our show here, Alpha Liquid. I have seen him in the last three events. Okay, I've never seen a VTA uh, booth, which was what uh, Mr. Grim Green said, that he had never seen a booth. Has anybody seen a VTA booth at a show? I think that is 100% accurate. And the reason why I think it's accurate is because I, even though I don't go to every show by, by any means, I often will look to see who is at the show. And I haven't seen VTA being a booth at a show ever. I think that's truthful. So I don't know why anybody, it's not like everybody knows the places that Dimitri's going. I mean, so for, for Nick to be saying, I, I don't know about this. I think he's being 100% honest. And usually it's takes, it takes more honesty to admit that you don't know something rather than to, to pretend that you do. He was a VPX, uh, VPX uh, ECC. Arnaud de Dumas <laughs> from France. I probably screwed up your name, Arnaud. I'm sorry. Okay, so my understanding of who he is is that he runs a large trade group over in France that represents the EU. And he is a board member of VTA. However, he's also, to my best understanding, going to be bringing French e-liquids into the United States and or potentially making them over here. I'm not sure, but he's a businessman. Uh, and he and he's also does a European trade group. And so he might also... And I guess it's not might is not the wrong word. Apparently, he's also a board member, not the not the Grand Poobah, but just a board member. So if Grim Green were to see this guy, why would he think that's in relationship to VTA? And unless he goes to the website, I'm, I'm just saying that there's no reason to think that uh, Grim Green is lying about anything. So why? Just because you haven't seen him doesn't mean that they're not there, right? So I think what I'm trying to say, again, Nick, I'm not mad at you. I understand. I'm disappointed. I mean, even me, just, a, just you know, this little restaurant owner in Tennessee went to the VTA, sat down, asked the questions. Okay, so now the head of Sevia, a, a board member, secretary of Vista, uh, the, the uh, Mountain Oak Vapors chief operating officer, uh, the guy that runs the Demisphere, the guy who says he's the Greek god of vaping, uh, the guy is suddenly just a pizza maker or, or just a store owner? That I wanted to ask, before I took it to my members in Tennessee and to my Chinese manufacturers, by the way, and made the decision to join VTA simply because we agree with a strategy. Okay, so I guess he's going to go into the strategy. Let's hear it. 
Plain and simple. We agree with a strategy. Nothing against all those other groups. They're fine. But you need to make those educated questions and get educated answers. And as adults or associations, you have to make a decision on what's best for your business and best for the interests of those that you represent. What, what's the strategy again? I didn't, didn't catch that. So let me give you some facts because I'm tired of the myths. These are facts. Big Tobacco is not and never will be on VTA's board. VTA broadly represents the entire industry from importer to manufacturer to vape shops and associations like the TSFA and the GSFA. These are companies, vapor companies, in the industry, not individuals. The individuals that sit on the board are hired by these open vapor companies. And yes, a lot of them used to work for Big Tobacco. And guess what? I fucking love that. Because these are professional people that worked for Big Tobacco, worked for the regulatory framework, know the ins and outs, and guess what? Now they work for open vapor. I'm still waiting for the strategy, uh, but I distrust all things tobacco. I think that's a safe assumption in this industry after RJR wants to knock out closed systems. I think it's good to have your guard up against tobacco. That's like me saying that I hired a guy from Starbucks to come and work at my coffee shop because he has experience in coffee making, not because he worked at Starbucks. Let's talk about the companies. VAMR, V2, they founded Spada. Where's the big tobacco connection? Nicopure Hello, they're open vapor. They've been around since day one. Tribeca, come on. How many, how many people did Tribeca help people quit smoking? Okay, I didn't hear uh, Mr. Grim Green say anything about big tobacco. Uh, I just heard that. You just heard that. I don't remember a single word about big tobacco so whatever dimitri's launching off onto mr grim green it it's not sourced from grim green it, it's something else it's uh it's something else and patricia kovacevic that's the lead counsel she was to work at lorillard she is one of the most brilliant legal minds you have ever met every time i've talked to this woman i've always come away knowing something that i didn't know before the fact that she did work for lorillard and blue at the time I only see it as a plus because she's brilliant. She's a smart, just a smart woman and can help us tremendously. Uh, Patricia is a smart woman. Uh, I've spoken to her. Uh, I've talked to her about various things. Um, she, she's, she is superb. There's no question about that. Yes, she used to work for Lorillard, but now she works for Nico Pure. And these companies are smart because they're going out and they're hiring these people, paying them big bucks, to represent now the vapor industry through the struggle that we're having with the FDA. Gaia Trend, I don't have to speak any more of that. Uh, the owner is in the chat tonight, Arnold. <laughs> um, definitely open vapor space. Next Generation Labs, you know them. Gila, which is the company that... Uh, Next Generation Labs, I'm not totally sure who they are. Um, is that is that uh, TFN or is that something else? I'm not sure who they are. It's something that, you know, before normally I would say that I don't know who they are. I would like look it up, do a Google search and stuff like that. But when you say next generation labs, uh, I don't know. Right now, I don't know exactly what that is. It could be a number of things. Just just is what it is. My lack of knowledge or, or somebody else's lack of knowledge on something uh, doesn't mean they're going out and lying to people. Austin Hopper now is the chief marketing officer, the face of vape. Hey, hold on a second. Are you saying the face of vape is big tobacco? Oh, he won't like that. Okay. I have, who is the face of vape and why are they the face of vape? How did they become the face of vape? Um, I don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't, it's not, not a term I hear that much of, uh, but right now it would probably be that soldier uh, that is the person that works for no more casualties. Uh, or doesn't work for them, rather. But is it, it, we really have a poster guy of, uh, of the face of vape under no more casualties. And that is a guy that the whole no more casualties thing is a pretty pretty uh brilliant little little slogan there which is uh, don't make me a casualty of your war on smoking which uh, to me uh there's a person named Elaine Keller if I'm hopefully I've got that all correct that uh used to be the president of uh Kassau. And uh, when I was on ECF, uh, that was one of the quotes that I saw from her, which was something very, very similar to that. So I think that's where that slogan came from. Even if somebody else came up with it afterwards, independently, I saw uh, uh, Elaine uh, put out something like that. And, and I remember distinctly because somebody posted it and said that that was one of their most favorite memes of all time relating to vaping. And I saw it. It looked real good. So... Uh, there is a face to vape and it's a soldier and and he is wanting to be able to use his product without being taken out by uh big tobacco or the legislators or whoever and so uh, this is a powerful message because the when i was up in sacramento watching those hearings uh, a lot of the people went out uh and took a you know they, they only went in for the uh sb uh, x uh 2-6 but there were some other ones and then there, the one of the one of uh this was actually before they became the sbs this was when they were just abs uh that uh the, the s was the special session but there was a, a military uh lobbyist who was representing all the military guys he was representing about five six different military ones and they said you know if these guys are have the right to go and fight for war uh that they should have the right to to come back and uh and and uh you know, they should have the right to be able to smoke if they can go and lose their lives for war. And so what happened in California is that was such a powerful message that the lawmakers backed down and they carved out active military. Now, to me, uh, that said something. And so that's why I think that campaign uh, really makes it makes good sense. Now, just to, to finish off that topic, uh, the lawmakers did not go far enough for that for the military. Because if a guy is 18 years old and they go and fight two years and they come back as in, as in any form and they're no longer active military in any form and they're 20 years old, they still can't smoke. You could have fought in Afghanistan and come back. And if you live in California, if you're discharged from the military with an honorable discharge, you still can't smoke. So I don't think it went far enough. But to say that that somebody, uh, Austin Hooper, is the face of vaping, who anoints these things. Here's a company you probably know, Nick. Pure Backo. Daniel Walsh, Pure Backo is a member uh, of the VTA. Intrepid Brands, and just announced today, Ballantine Mystic, which is a, it's, it's, it's a tremendous company. Independent e-cig vapor company, Ballantine. Okay, well, Mystic, all I know is they're cigalikes. Um, I don't know that much about them other than I believe they're also have a Haas line, H-A-U-H-A-S line that is sold in Walmart. Um, I think that's them. It's either them or Logic. I don't remember. It's been a while. Uh, and uh, But they're Sigalikes. And so part of the big argument is that Sigalikes don't work. Now, I've never agreed with that argument because I know enough people that have quit with uh, with Sigalikes. Um 
and I think Sigalites are a fine product. They're an important product. And uh, for any car mechanic out there, you can put one of them behind your ears and go wrench and then take it and then uh, puff on it. Or you can uh, hold it in your mouth and puff on it. There's the form factor of the Sigalike is not equaled by advanced vaping. In fact, I still consider advanced vaping uh, not that advanced because I'm looking at my Evic VT right now and I have to push a button to make it work. On my old, uh, using my eSmart Kanger, eSmarts uh, sold by VMR products, V2, the micro clearomizers, those sat on the end of an 808 battery and had an automatic trigger. I was using a clearomizer with a, uh, with a V2 product with an auto trigger and that thing never leaked. So right now I'm using a Nautilus and I have to push the button. It sucks. I'd rather have something that's smaller than this. I'm Mystic. Just joined VTA. The announcement was made today. Not to mention that two of the biggest flavor companies, eLiquid Tech and of course Flavor Art North America, are members of VTA. These are people that provide flavorings to open vapor companies to make liquid. Where is the big tobacco connection? As I said, TSFA. Where did Grim Green ever say there was a big tobacco connection? He didn't. Has become a member. GSFA has become a member. There's more announcements coming. I can't make them public yet, but there's more and more open vapor. Okay, so I, I just heard that for the first time. There's more and more announcements coming, and he's just a member of VTA. So how does the uh, just a, any old member of VTA know what's happening in the in the internal structure of VTA? Is he a board director of VTA? How how does he know this stuff? So there's obviously a slightly different relationship with Dimitri and VTA than just anybody else. I think it's fair to say. I, I don't, you know, let's let's go back a second. As I said, TSFA has become a member. GSFA has become a member. There's more announcements coming. I can't make them public yet, but there's more and more open vapor space and associations joining. So the problem that we have here is... Failure to communicate. Uh, well, we, we do have failure to communicate here because... I don't. I still haven't heard what the VTA strategy is. Now I've read some stuff in a in a magazine article, and to me it looked exactly like Safada, except that they were willing to take tobacco money. Other than that, it's 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 the same strategy. So I don't know how somebody agrees with VTA, and uh, and says that they don't agree with Safada. I don't understand how that happens. Now, Safada actually has these state chapters, which uh, nobody has, but there's Vista and SFA that wants to create the state chapters. The problem is the voice of wanting everybody to work together is creating an alternate path to the coalition that is working together. And so if you're a vape shop uh, or if you're an e-liquid manufacturer, where do you go? What do you know? How should you figure it out? And that's all I heard Mr. Grim Green say, is that he didn't know how to figure it out right then. But, you know, now he's a disappointment, which is what a father does when they want to mess with their kids' brains. I, I think Nick will be okay. And as business owners as well, because I see the trend. I saw a couple of posts being made. I saw somebody make... Um, I saw somebody make a post on their business page. I think it was Stella Blues Vapor. I don't have any hate. I'm not mad at you, man. I really am not. I'm trying to give you facts, which you're not getting. I'm trying to give you facts. But I see even businesses posting that. And 
all it shows is that your intelligence is being assaulted by the conspiracy gang. Okay, this sounds good. Conspiracy gang insulting the intelligence. Hmm, that's interesting. What the fuck is that? Think for yourself, right? Read everything that the VTA has put out and tell me whether their policies are going to protect the vapor industry or not. Read them. Read them for yourself, Nick. Okay, I've read them. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they, I don't understand what the strategy is, and I've read them. I mean, why doesn't the VTA say this is how we want to be? This is how, this is our strategy. VTA can come out and say this is our strategy. We understand the current landscape of the current advocacy community. We understand that there is a coalition. We have, uh, and they can say whether they've asked to join it or not. It's up to them. Uh, I'm sure they could have asked, uh, and I don't know if they have asked or if they've been asked. I just don't know. But a strategy would, of, a, of a brand new group that has come out of nothing in the last five months, that they would say, here is our strategy. This is the environment that we are working in. We have the FDA. We have the states. We have the vapors. We have these different organizations. And how our strategy will benefit the greater community is we will do this. And I haven't seen that. And I don't think it's been put out there. And I think that VTA would do well to put that out there. Because right now, what I've heard uh, Dimitri say is that there was some sort of uh, coup that happened and that the board members uh, abandoned uh, Safada and then created this whole new organization. And so when you have companies now that have a 90-day clock on them and then at the same time that 90-day clock comes out and I swear I did not anticipate that 90 days it it threw me for a loop it was not in the deeming and it was in the final rule and so it it's it's a radical change and it's put everybody on notice right they, people have to operate quickly now so there's a whole new group and it's saying we'll cover you we'll, we got it all we've got everybody with us which is VTA and then there's a coalition and there's confusion and i think i said it in another show there's only two problems uh, most of the time you can boil it down to either a communication problem or a mechanical failure and most mechanical failures can be solved with good communications and monitoring so communication problems, people not listening to each other, people not expressing themselves, people doing stuff in the back, uh, that causes all sorts of problems. Stella Blues, all these guys that are posting these nice, professionally done infographics, I really don't know who made them, but they did a good job. Maybe they can come help us out because I need some help with infographics. So look at these messages and tell me that VTA's messages about how the deeming will turn the cell industry over to Big Tobacco if we don't change what is happening right now is not right on target because if we okay so is this a revelation that that the deeming is a problem and vta is the first to announce this to everybody it, that's not a strategy that that's a that's that's a book cover if we don't change what we're doing right now and what we've done all this time we're definitely going to give this industry to big tobacco tell me that the strategy to change the predicate date is not the right one tell me but Okay, so for some reason, and I don't know the answer to this, the effort to move the predicate date back in May 2015, Dimitri said earlier, was the cause of the board voting against somebody and then causing strife within the board that caused somebody to, to leave, uh, people to abandon, and then uh, all, all whatever the internal politics of Safada was creating this old VTA thing. Whatever that is, I have no idea. And, and who does? Is it even important? Always explain to me. Always explain to me why, why that strategy is wrong. 
It's not a strategy. I mean, it is something everybody has been working for this coal, uh, sorry, the, the coal HR 2058. Everybody was working on that. And so, uh, you know, the coal bishop was something that nobody saw that language until the very day that, that the hearing happened. And apparently VTA, uh, when Tony went on to the uh, meeting, uh, the, not the, the smoke-free radio with Dimitri, uh, the, the day that this thing passed, 31 to 19, Tony said that, you know, what we do is we roll up our sleeves and we walk around. So we found what we wanted uh, that would make the Democrats shift their votes. So whatever concessions that would make the, the Democrats move their votes. And they walked around this and they got them all to do that. And so the, the creation of the language, according to Tony, is from Tony. And then there's a document that says there's other people that were walking around these same hallways doing the very same thing. Those people that worked on this bill were HR, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the, the bill, the Cole Bishop Amendments were Altria, National Tobacco, uh, and uh, Altria, and some of these other large groups. So there was a whole bunch of hands into this thing. And so, uh, you know, we, we, you can make the argument that the Cole Bishop bill is a fantastic thing. But I'll just go back to what I just said. Communication problems are a big problem. They always are. And so it wasn't communicated out to anybody in the vaping industry, whatever that VTA did uh, win this. So I, when I was watching the hearing, Later on that evening, I, I, a lot of people watched it live, and, and it happened to be a driving day for me, and uh, you know I didn't hear it until the, the end. And that's when, when I listened to it, I heard three, actually four people get up and talk about banning flavors and how this would enable the banning of flavors. Now, what's interesting is, and I haven't, I just, just heard about this, I haven't read the whole document, is back at that time, what the FDA handed over to the OMB was a banning of flavors. So maybe what they were talking about is that this isn't going to change that part of the bill. And maybe the word had all gotten around that the, the flavors were going to get banned. And maybe that's why it was being said that way. I'm not sure. And, 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 and this information came about just earlier this morning. Uh, but what they said was a banning of flavors. So that that's what I saw them say. So I put out a little video that just had them basically saying, with this bill, it enables the FDA to uh, have more powers than they have. And so for if example, there we found a flavor that was a particular problem that we could ban it category-wide. And that's what he was saying that those amendments do. Nobody is controverted that that is what uh, you know, Cole said at that hearing. That's what he did say. And that's what the Democrats said that he understood that the bill was going to do too. Nobody's controverted that. And so when, when he's saying that there's a strategy that everybody wants on, on the predicate date, yeah, people have been talking about the predicate date for a long time. Back since when the deeming first came out, we found out that it was February 15th, 2007. And, and Bill Godshell before that was talking about uh, the predicate date. It's well known. And changing it is well known. It's not like anybody's come up with this for the first time. But what VTA did is that they put this stuff out there. And what they did is, if you listen to my last couple shows, there's some significant 
concessions, acquiescences, uh, roll over on your back and hope is that have been put out in included with the Cole Bishop amendments. And so what I've been talking about is if everybody can agree, we have predicate date, fine. It'd be lovely if we can get that. But there's an equal chance that the predicate date will be ripped out of that those amendments and then that will be the only part that's ripped out and everything else will go forward. So we better understand what those other things are before we make the trade-off. And so I understand that VTA is proud of themselves for getting this out to where they could get a positive vote. But there has been no discussion of whether the industry wants these amendments. There's been no discussion and examination of what these things are. One of the things are is that every single vape shop in the United States has to register with the FDA. And then that list is get available to every single person that wants to gather that list. I can walk over to the FDA and get the list of every single vape shop. So can glance. So can uh, the, the, the people that sued people for Proposition 65. So if you, if you were one of these predatory lawyers that wants to sue every single vape shop, and they have, and there's been settlements, the, the California Environmental Health little group over there in Oakland has sued a lot of companies. And if you can, you can do a search, you can see that the people have settled with them. Each, each one of these things, these vape shops, uh, so the vape shops, you know, the settlement is about, you know, a $35,000 check. And they sign that money over to this, these people, these predatory lawyers, and then they go away. And all they did to do that is they found some bottles without the proper 65 warning. And then the only thing they could do is they could fight it and they could fight it. They could fight it or they can just pay them off. And that's what they did. About $35,000 a shot. So that's one implication of a generalized list going out there. So it's VTA should not be bent out of shape, nor should Dimitri be bent out of shape that people want further clarification. They're being told that you want the predicate date. We split away from a Safada because of the predicate date. But there's ramifications. And so discussing those things is important. And VTA and Dimitri have failed on that objective measure of communicating what those other amendments do and how those other amendments affect things because they're about to be written into law and we're not talking about those. And don't tell me this, oh, you know, somebody, one of my volunteers in Memphis, she said, oh, you know, I had a couple of vendors and told me they don't, they don't like Cole Bishop. And I said, um, sure, what's, what's wrong with Cole Bishop? And she says, well, they don't know. <laughs> what? What? I said, well, ask him. Tell us what particularly you don't like about the, about the Cole Bishop. I was asked what was the problem with the Cole Bishop Amendment. Uh, and uh, so let's go over them. Uh, let's just read the law uh, because I think there are some problems. Uh, the first part is Section 1. That's the title. Section 2 is the changing of the predicate date. All so far good. Uh, number 3 is uh, product standard for vapor product batteries. So there is no uh, current regulation on batteries. There isn't. Uh, it's not even in the deeming. Uh, they're, they're talking about uh, devices, uh, but there's nothing about just a generic battery. So what this does, it defines a battery standard for a vapor product, not a tobacco product, a vapor product. So 
it basically says that no later than 21 months after the vapor products are deemed, so this is a new deeming, uh, into the Federal Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act, um, that, uh, well, it might be the same deeming. I, I think I might uh, need to work on my regulatory uh, chops as far as some of the law. But anyway, 21 months after uh, the date of the uh, vapor products are deemed subject to the FDCA Act, uh, that uh, no later than that, uh, they're going to have to put out standards. And so my problem right now is the no later part. Um, it, it, I would be more comfortable if it said after. Uh, but it says no later, so that means they can go as fast as they want. Second th second part of uh, Section 3 is timetable for rulemaking. Again, it says no later than 36 months uh, as far as the provisions of the law and all that stuff. They can go as fast as they want. There's nothing stopping them from going as fast as they want. And so also by having a... It says product standard for vapor product battery. So a vapor product is the device. The battery is the battery. You have to marry the two together and then there's going to be a product standard for mods under this. That's how it that's how it's being described because you have to control all aspects of the mod uh, to have a safe battery because you know what causes the short is something touching the battery. It's not the battery itself batteries just don't spontaneously combust it you can have a shorted coil or something like that but section four vapor product advertising this is a change to the way that uh, things can be uh, advertised and you can't do it in, in print publications and and it also says or other publication and as I've said in the last show if I do a very cursory check on it if I go to the patent database it sure looks like the internet is being considered a print publication in the forms of many laws and there's appellate court cases that say that the two are no different that a internet and a print publication are the same thing so when this law gets five years down the law uh, the line and somebody says well it says print publications but you know what uh, it's the future and there are no such thing as print publications does it mean anything anymore yeah, there's already precedent to say that it implies the internet. And so what my problem is, is that I, I believe that Marlboro is pro prohibited from advertising in magazines because of the MSA, the Master Settlement Agreement. There is no law that stops them from advertising. It's an agreement done by private parties. But, but because that private parties were, were saying that you can't do that advertising in sort of magazines and stuff like that, uh, you know, why aren't they advertising on the internet? When have you ever seen a Marlboro ad? So I'm not sure at all whether this thing doesn't extend to the internet. So if you are a person that gets paid for clicks for advertising and stuff like that, you might not be able to advertise e-liquids anymore on the internet. And I'm saying that's that's an aggressive analysis. That I'm, I don't know if all my ducks in a row are in that. But to me, it makes objective sense that when it says other publication, that come on, it's 2016. The internet is a publication. Magazines are going the way of the buggy whip. The internet is the publishing venue of the world. And to think that when it says other publication, that it doesn't mean the internet is a awfully big gamble to make without checking it out. So my problem is nobody's explained to me this. Nobody's nobody's told me this, uh, and uh, 
tell me I'm wrong. So that's one more problem, Dimitri. Dimitri asked for what people have problems with it. Then it says prohibit self-service displays of vapor products. I, I got no issue with that, but it, it's still talking about vapor products. How is a vapor product different than a tobacco product? Well, uh, that comes up a little bit later. Section six is talking about labeling requirements for vapor. So you have to put on things on your label, like keep out of the reach of children, under age sale prohibited. But what the third item is, it says an accurate statement of nicotine content. An accurate statement of nicotine content. That means that the FDA can walk up to your label and say, you will be taken off the market if you don't have these three things. You have to have that keep out of reach of children. We'll take you off the market if you don't have underage sale prohibited. But we'll also take you off if you're accurate, if you're inaccurate in your statement of nicotine content. So for all the people that are selling 1.5, I don't know what they what the variance is going to be. If you're 25% off, what's that going to be? No, let's say you're 33% off, so the math is easy. You're 33% off, you put out 2.0 rather than 1.5, right? That should be the correct math. And so is that enough to be inaccurate to consider it misbranded? Well, they're going to have to make up other rule. But usually something 33% off, maybe you've really blown it that day. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, your bottle on the shelf in whatever store, you know, the FDA walks into it and says, uh, yeah, let's test this puppy. And your 1.5 shows up as, let's say, 3.0, right? 100% off. Does that, what does that mean? What, what, what will they do once they figure out that it's inaccurate? And what is the level of inaccuracy that causes your product to be misbranded? And the next thing it says, enforcement. A vapor product that violates this section shall be deemed misbranded. Misbranded means that you cannot sell it. It means you cannot even transport it across state lines. It's illegal. It's thrown in the dumpster. You know, and as I said before, maybe they'll allow you to rework it. But I think you better go and grab it off the shelves to rework it, uh, you know, before before they do uh, because I think if they grab it they're just gonna throw it into an incinerator and and it's just gone uh, so uh, the, the problem I have with section 6 boils down to one word well two things it in boils down to the enforcement which is a prohibit it's, it's a guillotine of enforcement you, you if you put if they find you to be uh, a problem with any of these provisions, they take your product off the market. They chop off your head, a guillotine of enforcement. And so my problem is this one word. And so when I see RJR out there, and I know that they can pay for whatever type of, you know, costly manufacturing of e-liquids they could ever possibly want, they can just go overkill, right? They can just go and buy whatever they want and get it all done. They're not worried about the word accurate. And all these vapor uh, companies uh, that aren't even looking at this, that are putting blind faith into whoever they're putting blind faith in, they're not even seeing this. And then I'm looking at this. And so my problem with this, Dimitri, is this word, accurate. Because accurate is a measurable thing. And it's just like if anybody's done, uh, you know, anybody do uh, uh, statistical process control and ISO standards and doing documentation, if you can't measure it, you can't, you have to be able to measure it to improve it. 
So everything is measure, measure, measure. And so if you're talking about the FDA, these guys, that's all they know how to do in some cases. They're, they, you know, there's postdoctoral people level talking about what sort of pipettes and different things to do in biotech. Measurement is their thing. So when they say accurate statement, how different does it have to be from accurate for them to pull your products off the shelf. It's something VTA hasn't explained, it's something that Dimitri hasn't explained, and it's something that I have a problem with since you've asked Mr. Dimitri. The next thing is the annual register. So these are, these are the things that I'm concerned about with the bill. I'm reading the actual bill. These are the amendments. This is what is the Cole Bishop. The next thing is annual registration requirements of vapor products. So this is just a thing within 60 days, every single vapor shop, every single retailer, anybody that sells, sells anything that deals with a vapor product, which is basically anything that has nicotine in it, uh, that they all have to, within 60 days, register with the FDA. If there's an exclusion, for some reason, if your state makes you do that, you don't have to do it. But for the most part, Every, every company has to report to the FDA or the FDA uh, you know, buys the, the database from the state and the FDA gets it anyway. Who knows how they're going to do that. But every, every single vape shop has to register with the FDA. That's it. Then the kicker, which is the one I really have the problem with, it says public, this is number C if for people following along on this document. We're on page five. It's a very deep document. Uh, so page five, number C, under section seven, public access to registration information. The secretary shall make available for inspection to any person so requesting, comma, any registration filed under the section. Say it right again. The secretary shall make available for inspection to any person so requesting any registration filed under the section. It's public information. So, Every single vape shop is now within 60 days of this thing passing is registered with the FDA and I'm a, say I'm suddenly an anti-vaping group and I walk over to uh, the FDA and say uh, the law says I have access to all of this. Uh, put it on a CD for me. And that maybe they're going to say no, you're going to have to flip through these pages. Here's your, here's your hard copy. And they'll go, really? Do I really have to do that? And they go, no, no, no. Just go and pay this person over $1,000 for access to the records and they'll put it on a CD for you. The, the government's going to stick it on CD. But if, if not, worst case scenario, you go in there with a video camera and you flip the pages and then you uh, export it and then you uh, send it off to uh, Adobe and then you just get all it. So anyway, everybody's going to have their name, their DBA, all, all, all the stuff out there uh, with it. So I, I don't like the whole registration thing. I'm not sure while I'm writing. Maybe uh, I'm like Grim Green here. Maybe I'm a dog looking at that. I'm not sure if I like that. Well, no, actually, I'm not like Grim Green. Not at all. I know I don't like this. There's no upside to this. It's not a good thing. And the last thing, the last section of the entire bill is Section 8, and all that says is that it creates a vapor product. Right, vapor product, it sounds a lot like a tobacco product, but it's not because the nicotine can be from anything. It doesn't need to be from tobacco. It takes out the definition of tobacco and regulates us as vapor, which is not good. It's a very bad thing because there, it's we're not tobacco anymore. It creates a whole new standard. So all of the protections that once were for tobacco are ripped away but I'm not sure maybe maybe you know maybe it's not that different but I don't like it because it's just saying any form of nicotine and I was getting pretty darn comfortable with tobacco derived nicotine because I watched those FDA conferences so 
when the FDA, when Knock Nor, who's a guy that does these shows, was calling the women that were doing the uh, the FDA workshop, the webinar, bimbos, uh, I thought they were actually giving very good information. I thought they were fine people. So these are the things I don't like with this bill. So he asked, I answered, I thought I was detailed enough. I hope that was detailed enough for you, what my concerns are. And uh, 15 minutes later, I'm sure they consulted one of these um, rumor mills on the internet. You know, you know how that grapevine works. Comes back and says, oh, I don't like this battery. This battery, uh, there's a battery issue. So I said, okay, that's fine. Can you please explain to us what you, lo- you don't like in the battery issue? And they came back with, well, uh, we don't know. You know, maybe Big Tobacco wrote that, that language. Guys, the FDA has deemed batteries a tobacco product. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? No, you're you are fucking kidding me because no, the FDA has not deme- deemed uh, t- uh, batteries a tobacco product. It's it's not it, 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 no, and, and this wood desk is not a fruit and vegetable either. You can't just redefine things. A battery is a battery. If a battery is in a tobacco product, it may be covered as a tobacco product because it is part of the piece parts of the bill of materials that makes up the assembly, that makes up the the disposable or whatever. If it is a piece part within the bill of materials, yeah, it could be part of a tobacco product. But for him to say that, oh, look, a battery is now a tobacco product is just wrong. It's manufacturing 101. You're sitting there worried about the language in Cole Bishop? Listen, this is not about choosing organizations. I don't want to make it this. I'm just trying to clear the air. I'm trying to put out the facts versus the myths that you see online. Okay, I don't know what the VTA mission is. I don't know what the VTA position is. I, you know, these, these, the people, whoever put out that stinking thing, I've now been accused of putting out, I think the guy's named Chase Richardson, uh, this guy on Facebook, has accused me of uh, putting out this uh, dumb little flyer. No, I didn't put out the dumb little flyer. And, and, and as, as I said before, is that if you want that, that flyer, if you want that flyer, just go over to vaportechnology.org and click on board members and you see all that information, but you have better pictures of people. So there's no reason for that flyer. It's a bad thing. And I'll say it again. If I'm going to say something, I'm going to say it to your face. So if you haven't seen me say it to your face, like I'm trying to do right now, if you haven't seen me say it to you, guess what? I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I don't do that. Yeah, I'm not skilled at doing that stuff behind the scenes. I, I am. It's just, it's not my thing. All you have to do is choose. Look at the facts and choose. You can get behind the Cole Bishop Amendment to change the predicate date, which is the only strategy that exists and likely will exist this year. Okay, it's not the only strategy. There is an HR 26 that is gathering steam. And it does one thing. And it does one thing very well. It does does what section two of that is which is it uh, or it, it changes the predicate date and it doesn't have anything else so if you were trying to gather votes during a presidential election year and uh you want to uh, be uh you know tell you what dude uh i got a bill for you to sign that, that nobody really cares about except these uh these crazy you know these vapors uh and and they're saying that they're going to uh support the heck out of you uh if you just go with this program here, 
Oh yeah, they're adamant. They're they're freaked out. They're, these guys are addicted to nicotine. They'll do whatever it takes to get their nick. Uh, but they, if you uh, just pass this one thing, and then the, the congressman goes, "Well, does this thing have other? Does this is this going to piss off anybody else?" You go, oh no, it'll it it, it might just piss off. Uh, I don't know. It it seems to me that uh, yes, there is another strategy. And the only strategy that has a chance to move and likely will move this year, period. Or you can waste your time <laughs> spinning conspiracy theories from behind your laptops or your new websites, which is your best, if not your only option to change the predicate that either passes without your help or fails because you didn't help. And then explain to anyone you love who is trying to switch, anyone who vapes, and any... Is it the children? Is it, is it going to be the children? business which is dependent on the vaping industry remaining alive why you choose to be destructive and not constructive and at the end of the day i'm challenging anybody specifically when it comes to the cole bishop bill i'm anybody what part of that amendment don't you agree with and why i think i just went over all that why give me a reason i did don't tell me that i heard that big tobacco wrote it or rjr wrote it i didn't i didn't didn't hear that i read it uh there's a document out there and it says that they are the sponsors so if uh tony was walking around asking these uh different people to to make their different votes to do these trade-offs to do these if i i'm a lobbyist so i walk around and i walk over to all these congressmen and go yeah i want you to i want you to vote for this bill and the congressman goes yeah let me think about it you know what happens when that that lobbyist walks out? Then the next lobbyist walks in, and the, and that happens to be RJR. And the RJR goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, this thing's coming along. We're part of it too. All we want you to do, yeah, this thing looks fantastic for the vapor guys. All we want you to do," says RJR to all these congressmen, "just put the word accurate in there. Yeah, just accurate because accuracy is good. That's all we want you to do in this one. So nobody can tell me one way or the other that that didn't happen." I don't know what happened. All I know is, you know, smoke-filled back rooms do exist. And uh, one group has a lot of money. And one group looks like they're noobs. And uh, it has that word accurate in there. And that word accurate means that the FDA can test your bottle. They buy your bottle. They, they tell you you're off. And I'm, I, of course, everybody should have accurate nicotine. Absolutely. But, you know... I've been in manufacturing, you know, there is certain amounts of variability and without knowing what the, the level of accuracy that's going to be required or what potentially could be required, you know, it's a jeopardy. I mean, uh, there could be a maximum number. I, I, if it said that, uh, that no bottle could ever be over 24 milligrams, I'd be more comfortable with that as a topper, as an upper limit. But the word accurate can mean anything and it can be used any way by a, a regulator. It's, it's an, it's an open risk. I'm not happy with it. That's not an answer. You know what that is? That's misinformation. That's people making vague statements like Nick, like, um, I got a gut feeling. I don't speak with gut feelings. I speak with... Okay, so I have my mother's intuition. And uh, I defy anybody to uh, walk up to their girlfriend or whoever their significant female other is and say that, you know what? I don't trust your gut. With facts, every time I put this microphone to my mouth, and for the people that listen to me, the people that follow me, I want to make sure I guide them right, and not give the impression that, oh, you know, I've got a gut feeling. We need to keep the vapor products on the market as we know them right now.
The 2007 date is the death to the industry. So tell me what part do you don't like from the Cole Bishop? You don't like putting labels on your products? You want to be able to print advertising publications that are directed to you? You want to be treated differently than your fellow vape retailers who already have to register their business? You're offended that Cole Bishop tells the FDA to do exactly what the FDA has done now? I mean, you really got to get over it. If we don't change the predicate date now, we will have an industry that will be in shutdown mode. Except the the FDA has done now? I mean, you really... You want to be treated differently than your fellow vape retailers who already have to register their business? Okay, he's about to say something I didn't really pick up on. That, that He's saying that everything in the Cole Bishop bill, these trade-offs in order to get the Democrats to come alongside, uh, is already in everything. So somehow I'm supposed to believe that a lobbyist walked over to the politicians, made them a whole bunch of promises... The anti-vaping group is, is are all just in constant com- communication with these uh, Democrats, and uh, so the th- this was all put out, and it's all exactly the same thing that's already currently in the deeming, and so that was enough to make Democrats swing over because they're just all morons, right? Every single Democrat's a moron, so they have no clue to that they were just duped and they they got no concessions in reality. I just don't think that makes logical sense. That's my gut. My gut is that something significant was given up in the in this these documents that was signed on to by RJR Altria and and the American uh, sorry uh, and uh, and the the convenience store distribution people uh, that uh, and also the Vapor Technology Association is also one of the. Uh, 10 or 12 people that are are listed as this is what they want to as a group this is what they want did somehow did VTA just write all of this and just write it all down themselves and all of these other lobbyists that work for just small tiny little firms like Altria and uh, RJR didn't have any input into this at all they didn't stick a word like accurate in there. They didn't create a vapor product standard. They didn't use the punishment of misbranding versus the punishment of, of uh, fines and penalties. If your product is misbranded, it's seized and removed from the market and you can't take it across state lines. It is as harsh of a punishment as you have in the tobacco industry from the FDA. It's it's vaporizing your your delivery <laughs> whatever you just sent over to that vape shop uh it gets seized by them said, hey yeah you know what your your labels are messed up we uh went went in there with a nicotine tester and uh you were off by 30 percent your 1.5 was uh was two you're screwed you're done so i mean all this stuff is capable but it for me to think that rjr that signed on to it and altria that signed on to it didn't participate and did not have their sway into it. And there is a tobacco company that is the arch enemy of vaping. And that is R.J. Reynolds. They want all open systems gone. And they're on record as saying that. Has that changed? Uh, was there a presentation that might have had a picture somewhere? No, I don't think it's changed. I think that's still their position. And I think they almost got it. You want to be treated differently than your fellow vapor retailers who already have to register their business? You're offended that Cole Bishop tells the FDA to do exactly what the FDA has done now? I mean, you really got to get over it. 
how is it exactly the same any different? Why would they do that? How does that? Why in Glance and Glance and all the anti-vaping groups are just silent as as you know as church mice? They just you know they they don't seem to be upset about Cole Bishop at all. Why is that? Is it because it's good for the anti-vaping people? My gut says yeah. You don't want to trust my gut? Well, you you do the math. If we don't change the predicate date now, we will have an industry that will be in shutdown mode. Except, of course, the companies that you're accusing me of being associated with Big Tobacco, which is completely ridiculous. Okay, I, I don't know where this, uh, you know, uh, cry of victimhood is coming on, Dimitri. Uh, who has accused him of being a part of Big Tobacco? I, I'm not aware of it. Uh, it it's... <laughs> Uh, poor, poor, pitiful me, I guess, type of uh, thing. Um, no, it, it's it, the the problem is that ah, oh, fuck it, just fucking just play it. And people know that I've done in this industry for the past five years. What would even make it cross your mind? Don't confuse professional companies with big tobacco. Don't confuse that. These attacks are nothing but friendly fire and a distraction. I have to stay focused on the task that is immediately in front of me. And right now, my task is to move the predicate date and help fund the litigation. That is the one-two punch that we need right now. So join whatever group you want. Say whatever you want, but please put your time and effort towards something more positive. Enough with the myths and the bullshit. I don't know, my blood pressure's up a little bit, but other than that, I'm doing well. I mean, I hope I was making sense. Did, Did you listen to my rant? Again, we never said don't support H.R. 2058. The least that you can do is support both, even though I think you know and I know that H.R. 2058 will never become law. But the point here is that if we don't give a clear direction as an industry, no matter what organization you support, the the vapors are confused and they get mad, and the end result is they don't do anything, or they do something wrong. And especially people that we look up to, people that have a following, we really need to be on the same page, no matter what organization – you believe in or you follow i think that the people that are being followed should put across the right message right of course of course frustrated which i think is part of the problem i think nick's frustrated as well too mm-hmm. and when you're frustrated and angry you try to take it out on somebody and you can't take it out on anybody else and you turn within the community and you try to take it out with each other i would love to see everybody work together i would love to see everybody sit down on a table all these groups, all these organizations, I would love to see it. Uh, 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 I think he's describing the coalition. But some of these organizations are going to have to realize that they can't always try to take the baton. You have to be humble. You have to sit down and discuss and absorb. You might not agree with everything that every association is doing, but all the associations together, I guarantee you have that 75% golden rule that I've been talking about for two years. Absolutely. And 75% golden rule is... We need to say vaping. We're not tobacco product. We don't fit the category. I think 75%, all of us, all of us agree that. And at this stage of the game, Brian Fodick said it best inside of um, a group in, in the Georgia Smoke Free Association. I don't care who's going to help me win today. If that's big tobacco, if that's whoever it is, if I can win today, I don't care who you are. Now, tomorrow, our interests might change, and they will. Big tobacco wants the predicate date changed. Don't be, don't be silly. Sure. If that's whoever it is, if I can win today, I don't care who you are. Now, tomorrow, our interests might change, and they will. Big Tobacco wants the predicate date changed. Don't be, don't be silly. Uh, 
I do not think that Big Tobacco wants the predicate date changed. It doesn't make sense. It is a strategic advantage for them to have a predicate date change that does not occur because they have the resources to muscle past any inhibitions of a nasty predicate date. They can deal with it. And as some people said that, uh, you know, tobacco, their game plan is like the Chinese. You know, they have a 20-year game plan, a long game plan. So they can weather out. You know, they, they, they did the master settlement agreement. Uh, what was that, like a $300 billion settlement? You know, one-third of a trillion-dollar settlement, and they knew they would weather that. Normally, when somebody gives up that much cash, they don't weather it. They become like Gawker, and, you know, Gawker is probably going to go away. Sure. Well, j just today we found out that... Uh... Time with Big Tobacco, with Cigar, with Loose Leaf, because all those industries are affected. And the only thing that they could all agree on to put a bill through was that we need to move the predicate date. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling me I don't support Cole Bishop because it's Big Tobacco, and you're saying you support HR 2058, go click on the link on my Facebook and look who supports HR 2058. And it includes Altria, RJR Reynolds, and every other Big Tobacco company. And those are true Big Tobacco companies, by the way. Right? right. National but Tobacco. It's, but, it's, it, but it's irrelevant. It's Everybody is fine with the changing of a predicate date. Nobody is not fine with that. What some people, and I'll speak for myself, I'm concerned about what's riding along inside of the Cole Bishop amendments. And it's amendments. There's several different things. A national database. An accurate statement on your label or your misbranded. It's what is coming along with it. And because this law is still forming, it's like an uncontrolled experiment and you don't know which way it's going to go. So this has been released into the wild. It's now going to be considered by the Senate. And the Senate might simply say, we like every bit of this except the predicate date change. And we know that there are strong forces inside of the Senate that are very anti-vaping and they write letters uh, Markey and some of these other people that they write letters and you got, you got Barbara Boxer you got some of these other people and Barbara Boxer I don't believe is running again even and so they'll they'll go to town on this so if all they can do is to rip out the predicate date change it would explain why the the, the glances and the anti-vaping groups are not worried about the Cole Bishop because what they'll do is they'll rip out the predicate and then they'll walk around and saying if anybody wants to call in so it can be ripped out in the Senate version everything is the same except for the predicate they rip out the predicate in the Senate they send it back to the house and and all the people say well what you wanted all of these things before why don't you still want them the only thing different is the predicate date change weren't all of these things that were presented by the uh, vaping tobacco Association weren't all of those reasonable things was it some sort of conditional only premised upon uh, the the predicate date change that you didn't want these other aspects weren't these other aspects things that are all reasonable and prudent for the public health and to save the children 
These things were all presented to us, and we like all of them except the predicate date change. Why on earth, since you've lost on the predicate date change, are you now telling me that you don't want those other things? What is this? Is this some sort of backroom deal? Or why can't they just keep it? Why can't they, why can't they remove the predicate date change in the Senate, battle it out, and, and, and then bring it back over to the House and say, oh, it's all the same, and you get everything that ran along with the Cole Bishop except the predicate date change. And at the end of the day, you have no predicate date change, but every single vape shop in the country has to just do it. And so, you know, somehow I'm supposed to believe that the lobbyists are going to be able to prevent that from happening. And my gut says that they'll have no ability to stop that if that's what those 10, there's a block of about 10 senators in, in that, and I can find, I can post one of these letters. I've got the, the actual letters that Markey and uh, these other people, all, they all sign their name to it. They, these are the same people that said, we must do the, the, the uh, deeming, must happen faster, must happen faster. These are the people that thought they were going to get the, uh, the flavors banned in it. There is a strong group, so this is now going to go over there. And so you think that the, the people that were the, have this as a pet project over in the Senate are suddenly not going to be there? The Markeys and the, some of these other people, the boxers, they're not going to be there waiting for this? And so a good example is Senator Leno in California. We, we, that thing got beaten back. It was all about the same thing. The same thing. It was all about the definition of tobacco. And when, that, when the tobacco thing got ripped out, when the tobacco definition got ripped out of AB5, uh, what happened was that Senator Leno walked away from it and said, ah, I don't want it. And all he did is he bided his time, he waited a week, and then he brought it right back. So you think that politicians are all stupid and all this stuff? Well, no, they're not stupid. Some of them are terrible people. And the, the terrible people, unfortunately, have abilities. So we don't know what's going to happen with the Cole Bishop Amendments. But right now, this thing's in the wild. And we don't know. And, and we do know one thing, that... H.R. 2058 is unmolested, and it's gaining support. And then you have people like Dimitri saying it's all but dead. I listen to Kevin Skipper, and he says, I want people to support both. And then, you know, to gather that support for H.R. 2058, he says, but just realize that there's no chance in hell that H.R. Uh, 2058 is going to work, so support it all you want. That's how he described it. Nobody's going to do that. That's not, that's not a real thing. You, you've just said that you want H.R. 2058. You, just, you wrote it off, but you, you packaged it with, oh, yeah, go ahead and support it if you want. You know, be an idiot is how it was presented. Irrelevant. Look at the language of Cole Bishop. Right. right. You, don't have to, you don't have to look at the back room. You don't have to look at who's, who actually put this bill forth. Just look at the language. I agree. That's it. And that's what Kevin and I did on our show. We looked at line by line how the, how the language would have affected us as vapors and as, as manufacturers and shop owners. And honestly, there's nothing in there that really drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, there, there are some compromises, but yeah, there are so, compromises and, that we can deal with. What do you think? that this, this, What do you think? That this day of unregulated industry would last forever? No, how how long not. have we been saying this, that, that, that the day will come one day when, you know, there's, there's no avoiding it? And guess what? They slapped us with a book. I mean, they slapped us with the worst possible scenario. So how can you sit there and it, it's irrelevant whether you I, – I can even say this. It's irrelevant if you agree with Cole Bishop or not. It's irrelevant because it's the only thing that will move the date. <laughs> so there, right. you don't have another option. Right. And the other question that I ask to people that say about HR 2058, yes, it's not dead. It's not. 
Tell me, though, the people that are telling you to support HR 2058, what strategy have they attached to move HR 2058? Ask them that question because that's what a professional person does. If you have doubts, you ask them, say, okay, I'm going to support HR 2058. What do we have as a strategy? What have we? Okay, so uh, we uh, wrote our congressman. We uh, have written many letters to our congressman. We've been doing that for a while. We've been uh, gathering up, uh, I believe it's either 60, it might be 60 or 59 or 58. I mean, it's, we, we've, we've talked to people. The strategy was to gain support in an election year to, to describe that vapors were interested in this bill and to uh, get it passed. Uh, I think everybody's familiar with what, eight, you know, those are what there, there's definitely been a letter writing campaign. Um, you go to the CASA call to actions. There, there's been campaign, campaigns to to move HR 2058. It's it's not dead. Put in place to move this bill because it's not moving a damn inch. And nobody's going to give you an answer because there is no answer and there is no strategy. So, Phil, hi. what are you doing <laughs> in bed with Big Tobacco, bitch? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Dimitri. Uh, who, if they have the answers and the money, move over. I'm, I'm jumping in bed. I'm getting. I'm getting in bed with anybody who's going to help us out right now. Yeah. What would that video? What would that video be like, Phil? I, I don't care. I don't care at this point. You know, it, I think another one of the problems is too is that. So you got a bunch of people now have businesses that are bigger than they ever expected, and and, and they're freaking out, and and now they're 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 thrust into something like this. And there's a lot of people out there just winging it. I mean, you know, this is why I always say, you know, uh, my wife says, but you do advocate for for vaping. And I do in my own way, Mm -hmm. but I'm not the expert, right? And and because I'm not the expert, that's why I don't preach it in my videos because I'm like always there's you know what it reminds me of Demi it reminds me of all the sofa scientists that we have out there who read that you know well you know Cantal is safe in your frying pan therefore it's safe in your vape because I read it on Wikipedia and it's now we have like these these sofa advocates coming out of the woodwork (laughs) I mean does does that make any sense Uh, yeah it does make sense it makes absolute sense it seems like you know why it makes sense because that's how mods were created uh, that's how all of these devices were created. That's 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 how innovation from the industry uh, was how all of this stuff got created. That's how advanced vaping gear came about. That's why we have mods, uh, the sofa scientists, the the people that go on to Reddit. That's that's how it does work. That's how it has worked. And so uh, you know, uh, there there's been some people like. Uh, that Phil, uh, who uh, just poo-pooed all of the concerns about uh, NI200 in uh, in coils, and so he recommends these, uh, you know, nickel 200 coils that have come out of China. We don't know the quality of that coil. We don't know the the, the quality of the metal. But if you listen to a Russia show, they had uh, two people that were talking about the the coils, and they both agreed. They were actually one guy was saying all the wires are of a certain metal are the same. Uh, and uh, the other guy was saying his wire was better uh, because of the cleaning process that it was used and that that cleaning process was significant. And uh, for the nickel 200, uh, I actually got on that. I asked some questions because this is a call-in show. Anything on the VP Live Network is call-in. It is participation. It is not just one-sided uh, views. 
So uh, the phone lines were open the whole time tonight. Uh, people were able to call. And then in the next show, if you listen to this on a replay, if you do want to call in, I'll take your calls. And everybody on the VP Live Network will. It's not just, it's not like watching television. It, it's, a, it's a dialogue. And so uh, what those two people said about the nickel 200 coils is, yeah, nickel 201 is designed for high temp. Not like uh, like not like uh, nickel 200. Its upper limit is 600 Fahrenheit. 600 Fahrenheit, not Celsius. That one of the guys thought it was Celsius. No, it is Fahrenheit. So the upper range for nickel 200 is 600 degrees Fahrenheit, and at at that heat level, the material starts to break down. But that is under the manufacturer's specification. That's like the best stuff. So if you have crappy uh, nickel coming out of China, um it might not have the same propensities as, as top grade nickel 200. There's always a different class. Now, what do we know about China? And what do we know about that region of the world? Well, they send the ships there to die. They send large giant ships over there and they tear them apart in, in the things and they, they scrap all that metal. What else do we know? They send circuit boards over there and they pull the metal out of that, the gold and the silver, they pull metal out of that. There's all sorts of things that they have kids doing over there that are smelting out the circuit boards and getting metal. So anybody that is confident of Chinese metal, think again. And so when those little toys end up with lead in them, it's because they just, they just you know, somebody was just pouring smelt into some sort of die cast, and that's how you got it. So if anybody's confident about nickel 200 coming out of, you know, I don't think you should be. But what both of those people agreed on is if you take a coil and you vape it and then you take that coil out and then you weigh it, it's lost mass. It has lost mass. And they both agreed on that. These guys were ready to, to beat each other up at the start of the show, but they agreed when you vape nickel that the nickel loses mass. That's weight. And where do you think that's going? It's going into the e-liquid. There's no question that it's going into the liquid. So when people tell you that, that when they vape with nickel, that they can taste the difference, that's because they're tasting nickel. And so, you know, to me, uh, sorry, uh, Phil Bersardo here is talking, oh, bugs me when people, uh, you know, are, are doing some things and are checking things out, that they should just take whatever the Chinese send here on faith. I mean, if that's their position, that's their position. But there are things that this community has been able to do because it is a new industry. We made the mods. We did this stuff. And if, if, if it makes sense for Sevia to be pushing these products in the United States so they can have enough money, that's fine. But nobody, in my opinion, should be using nickel 200 in their vaping. And I can say that because it loses mass. And I can say that because it, uh, it uh, changes the taste of the vape. You're getting nickel in your lungs. And what's the most famous thing about nickel? Skin allergies. What does a lung look like inside? It looks like a big giant piece of flap skin. So if you have a nickel allergy that's not that high, you don't know what it's doing. You don't know what it's doing into your side of your lungs. And then these guys that were on Russ's show, which he talks about the super wire, it's a couple shows ago that I think that everybody should listen to, that, uh, that w w with the... With the uh, they were talking about the particular particulate size of of the size of the nickel that is 
off-gassed. And there was questions of whether you're really going to be sucking up the nickel because it weighs more than the vape. But I tell you, when somebody you know is hitting hard and direct lung hitting out of these vaporizers, if they're using nickel, they're doing it with enough velocity, like a tornado, to pick up trees that they're going to be sucking in all of that metal. So how does your lung expel metal? I don't know. But maybe we should talk to the people that work for U.S. Steel or the people that do all these other stuff that with melting metals and ask them how they treat their factory workers. So, you know, I guess it makes sense uh, just to accept what the Chinese are shipping. Like everybody that, that vapes automatically gets a degree in something. Right. I mean, I've seen it more and more, but I want facts. I want if you're going to tell me to do something. This is why I don't like the people that, are, that, that have a huge following when they take something just simply because somebody told them. And and pushes a message out there that is wrong, as was HR 2058. The reason why we broke off from SFADA is because at the time, the leadership of SFADA, the board, wanted to vote not to carry on the HR 2058 strategy. This is... Okay, this is all news to me. Safada didn't want HR twenty fifty eight. They they so this caused a big blow up. If this is what VTA is saying as an organization, why people that the, the whole premise that VTA was created because of a disagreement with HR twenty fifty eight and the Cole Bishop bill is better than this. This is what caused the gigantic rift between the two national organizations. This is all news to me. It's a fact. I'm not making shit up. When we worked so hard for HR 2058, and we're still working at a time for HR 2058, things have changed now. There's a different board. There's no doubt about it. So I don't want to be confused and say that's the same board now, right? There's a new board now. But let's not forget what happened for us to get at this point. Again, this is facts. Now, you can argue all you want with me. You can make up shit that RGR wrote this bill or whatever, which you can't prove. Nobody can prove that. They're just saying it because. Okay, so here's a thing that, that I'm going to go along with, uh, you know, uh, women's intuition. I've got some big man boobs. I've got enough women's intuition in me, I guess. You know, I'm from California. I'm in touch with my feminine side. I mean, geez. I forgot my point now that I was making fun of my man boobs. Let me uh, rewind that. Sorry. RGR wrote this bill or whatever, which you can't prove. Nobody can prove that. They're just saying it because whatever. They don't like me. They envy me. I don't. Get what happened for us to get at this point. Again, this is facts. Now, you can argue all you want with me. You can make up shit that RGR wrote this bill or whatever, which you can't prove. Nobody. Okay, so that was the point. When somebody, women's intuition, when somebody says, but you can't prove it, that's not a good denial, folks. That's, you, you talk to your wives, guys, talk to your girlfriends. If somebody walks up to you, ask her what she thinks when somebody says, oh, but you can't prove it. They, ask them if they buy into that one, because I know what the answer is going to be. You can prove that. They're just saying it because, whatever, they don't like me, they envy me, I don't know what it is. But this I, is legislative facts, Phil. And, I, and- I, 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 don't, I do not read big tobacco in this bill at all i i just don't i don't i read i read big tobacco in the deeming regs yeah oh yeah there's no doubt about that yeah you think so oh there's no doubt oh, about yeah. that because tobacco free kids which is our number one enemy i'm gonna tell you that right now big pharma and big to- which is funds tobacco free kids is our biggest enemy but tobacco free kids has been advocating a lot for closed vapor systems and obviously handing over the industry to big tobacco because that will continue to bring in the, the funding for tobacco free kids. And it also will continue to give big tobacco the monopoly 
and they're forced to pay because after it's deemed a tobacco product and the big tobacco sells it, then they get a cut. It's pretty simple. And you see another comment that was made a lot is that we don't have this clear direction from these orgs. Right. Because it's, these orgs, all they do is ask for money, Jay, right? Am I right? Yeah. Give us money. Give us money. But nobody they, wants they, to connect. Nobody wants to relay back the information to the vapors and to the businesses that are donating money. Okay. In the first video done by uh, Regulator Watch, Dimitri said, look, uh, you know, these organizations need money and able to fight. So now he's griping that uh, they need money to fight. I don't get it. I do not get it. Okay, right? Am I right? Yeah. Give us money. Give us money. But nobody they, wants they, to connect. Nobody wants to relay back the information to the vapors and to the businesses that are donating money. And I can't blame them for, for you know, hoping for hoping for more money. I, I can't blame them for, you know, trying to fund their endeavors. I can't blame them for that. Sure. But what's missing is the singular voice. Mm -hmm. We need to have one voice, one message. Um, and we just don't have that right now. Okay, so this is something that's been said forever since I've been in vaping probably, that we need to have one voice. Lovely. Uh, I'd like to buy the world a Coke and sing in perfect harmony, right? Actually, that was a song before it was a Coke commercial. Uh, but, you know, okay, so everybody wants to do that. Kumbaya. Okay, now let's just go through the scenario of reality. It's never going to happen. So everybody can want it. But it's never going to happen. So what's plan B, which better be plan A, because not everybody's going to have one voice. It's just never going to happen. We haven't had that for four years. We haven't. We've we needed it. We haven't. Um, I, guess it's, I guess it should be no surprise that over the last you know, 20 days that we've become more divisive. It shouldn't be a, a surprise. Uh, but the time for that is, has passed. Yeah. We, we need to come together. It is absolutely unfortunate that the Cole Bishop bill amendments triggered at the same time as when the daming fell, the final rule fell, uh, because it, it, it certainly is uh, everybody's running around not knowing what to do. Uh, but, you know, don't blame people for asking questions. Don't blame Mr. Grim Green uh, for having concerns and don't accuse him of accusing you of being big tobacco or being associated with big tobacco when you played a clip where he didn't make any mention or even come close to that. I think, uh, you know, everybody in the vaping world is very good at dismissing uh, these logical fallacies. And there's a whole post talking about appeal to authority and all this other stuff. And so it's a false premise to be setting up as a straw man, Grim Green, as asserting that you are big tobacco when that didn't happen. And then you can say, well, I'm not big tobacco. Well, that was never the point. The point was, we don't know what's going on with VTA. They're not doing a good job communicating. Communicating is often the biggest problem in the world. And that's where we're at. People, they've done scientific logical tests that if you know you are going, if somebody, if somebody pushes a pin into your arm and you don't know what's about to happen, you will feel a lot of pain. However, that same exact test, when the, the, the tester says, I am going to push this pin into you, and, and you watch it happen, it, you, don't, you don't have as much pain. It, it's, it, they've, they've done tests on this. 
Really, they have. And so the fact that people don't know what's going on is causing them more pain because they don't know what's coming. If the people had better clarity, if VTA was telling people exactly what they were wanting to do, how they were going to work with all the other groups, what, what they're doing, people would have less pain. I have uh, I have said it that we, we have hurt our industry through the years and it would be just fitting if we put the final nail on the coffin. So I have uh, I have said it that we, we have hurt our industry through the years and it would be just fitting if we put the final nail on the coffin. So Jay, as a business, and then I'm gonna and again a big misconception that I hear all the time is oh I'm good for the next two years. You know, I'll save money and I'm gonna follow PMTA, which which is <laughs> that's the most ridiculous statement I've heard. But I hear it a lot. Okay, so if people are not going to file a PMTA, uh, what's the plan? Uh, I think that people should be planning on, there's three paths that people can use to get past the FDA. Litigation, legislation, or compliance. And so if uh, litigation fails, if uh, legislation fails, you better have a backup plan. And that backup plan better be some sort of form of compliance because the odds are that that's the only thing that's going to happen. The lawsuits have a very low probability. The litigation, uh, which is the legislation, has a low probability also. And if you get that predicate date change, if you want to be in business and changing your flavors and stuff like that, um, you're going to have to file an application at some point. So everybody that wants to be in the industry, uh, the, the, the predicate date change doesn't solve all the problems. It never will. It's not enough, as some people say. Tips that I hear all the time is, oh, I'm good for the next two years. You know, I'll save money and I'm going to file a PMTA, which, which hmm. is that's the most ridiculous statement I've heard. But I hear it a lot, which is unfortunate. And I try, when people message me on Facebook, I say, please seek legal counsel or, you know, I don't want to give them answers. But this answer I can give them. The answer is that you don't have two years. Starting in December and up to February, there's a whole process that you have to fill out. You have to register. Right. Yeah. And you have to register your ingredients, and you have to cast numbers for your flavoring companies. And so, and there's a lot of stuff that you have to do, and it's expensive. So if you plan on staying for the two years, hopefully, you know, I feel cautiously optimistic about Cole Bishop and about litigation. Um because honestly, it's the only two avenues that we have, so I have to remain optimistic. I can't be negative about it. But uh, but if 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 we st- at the same time, you still have to comply. So make sure if you're a manufacturer, um, make sure that you read the regulations and understand how how um, what you have to do. Hey, Dimi, or, or brush up your, on your yeah. resume. Petri yeah. <laughs> said that you can do this. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how that gets. Uh, well, I can tell you for a fact that neither the VTA or Sevia USA was approached to join any coalition. But that doesn't really make a difference to me. I don't really care about that. I, I really don't. All I- okay, so uh, that's it. That that uh, tape has been burnt. So, um, so there we are. Um, I, what what do I think? I suppose I could ask myself since nobody's calling me up and asking me to ask that. Um, I think there's three paths. One is litigation. So let's go over the litigation. Uh, there's two lawsuits already out there. Uh, and then Azim uh, said, uh, I believe it's going to cost $200,000 to get that lawsuit lodged. And then after that 200000 then it's going to take uh, unknown amounts uh, to keep it going. 
Uh, I believe that anybody could file a lawsuit, so maybe some other people will. I heard that uh, Altria uh, is doing a lawsuit now, but I believe that's all related to tobacco products and uh, modified risk things. I still need to look at that. That was today. Uh, the the other coalition of big tobacco uh, sued the FDA on some of the steaming stuff about a year ago. I've got that uh, case file somewhere. I need to look at that again. I, I'm not sure how applicable it's going to be. So uh, I the reason why I don't think that the litigation has all that much amount of success is because you can't show damages now uh, because of the two years. So you're not going to get a, an injunction uh, because an injunction, you have to show that uh, of a likelihood of being harmed. Um, and then uh, the only harm is after the 90 days, which freezes the product. So I guess that is where uh, the best meat is, is it's trying to change the 90 days. I don't think that I've seen either of the other the lawsuits that are currently written going after the 90 days. Uh, but then again... Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, that, that's where the, the, the fast startup of this bill uh, was a surprise to me. I did not expect the 90-day clock to trigger. It's such a short period of time, and it was not in the deeming, and it was in the final rule. I think that is the most vulnerable spot for the FDA to support. Uh, and as I said in another issue, uh, I, I, uh, another issue of my show that I do have a meeting with the FDA where I'm going to actually try and see if they will change that. Uh, good luck to me. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a snowball's chance in hell, but if you avoid hell, you don't have to worry if you're a snowball. So I'll try and do that. Uh, and, uh, we'll see what happens. But I think that if a lawsuit were to go after the 90 days, uh, that you could show immediate damage. So that's where I'd want the the injunction, and I think that would be a good lawsuit, and I don't see it being done yet. And I don't know all the things that Azeem is working on, uh, but uh, perhaps Keller and Heckman is, is including that as part of what they're doing. I believe that the lawsuits are a good thing to fund, uh, but at the same time, uh, once they're filed, uh, you can't just throw more money at the lawsuits and have them be any better. It's like a glass of water and you fill it up to the top and that's a complete lawsuit. And if you want to pour more water into the glass, it's going to flow over and it's going to hit the floor and it's not going to do anything. So once the lawsuits are lodged, uh, they'll do what they do and that's that. So I think that there's enough funding and I think that if any other companies want to do what Lost Arts did and what Halo did, everybody should go ahead and fly them in. Uh, I don't, you know, I've heard some people saying that the venues that some of these people picked uh, are not as good as others. Uh, and, and that's really inside baseball type of analysis, maybe some better or some not, but who knows. Uh, so the lawsuits, they're done, they're running, they're going to go, uh, and that's going to happen. Uh, then uh, on the other side, and we're just talking on the federal side, then there's litigation, uh, sorry, legislation. So there's the H.R. 2058 and there's the Cole uh, Bishop Amendments. Both of them look to change the predicate date, but the predicate date by itself is not enough uh, because companies are going to still stay in business and you're still going to have to do something other than having only your grandfather products staying around. There's some things that if the Cole Bishop amendments pass you're going to have to have accurate things on your labels you're going to have all the vape shops that have to register you're going to have all these different things the, the jeopardy of the cole bishop amendments are that the uh, grandfather date is yanked out and everything else flies in uh, then the next thing is if uh, we get donald trump in there that maybe he's going to by decree 
uh, do something differently. And I, I saw something today that 30, that most vapors think that Donald Trump is going to be the best thing. Uh, and uh, I, I support Donald Trump. Uh, but uh, his brother famously was an alcoholic who and a smoker who died and uh, gave him a lot of advice uh, to uh, not do those two things. And he is not a drinker and he's not a smoker. And uh, I don't believe either any of his kids are. And so he has a, a predisposition against smoking. Uh, that could ha be beneficial or negative, but uh, there's a higher chance that the anti-vaping groups are going to be able to uh, manipulate the message. Uh, so uh, then the next thing is uh, where where I am been focusing is actually compliance. Now compliance is a tough hurdle. Uh, there's a lot of things that are in there. Uh, a lot of the stuff that relates to the cost are attributed to certain different areas, and one of those areas is the studies about children and stuff like that. There's a breakdown of where they think that the 1,750 hours, where those hours go to. That's stuff that I still need to figure out. Um, and so compliance is an important thing, um, and, and people are going to have to do it one way or the other. It's, it's going to have to happen. There is a, a pipe dream, a, a stoner's fantasy, uh, and, and actually I shouldn't say that because the stoners actually have succeeded with marijuana, so their fantasies have come true. So uh, what, what with, uh, with, with these vaping products... <sighs> There, there could be other ways for legislation wins, but it just doesn't seem to be in the cards because there are a lot of mothers out there. And the, the argument that their kid is picking these things up is, is, is going to be enough to keep it in the public's eye. And so I think that the general idea out there, if I was to put my, you know, put my finger in the air and try and figure out which way the wind is blowing is that the United States is going to as a group say well let's see what these regulations do before they're retracted it was done essentially with Obamacare it's done all the time and so uh, the argument is, well, we've never regulated these things before, and now they're complaining that they're being regulated. Um, so I, I, I have less faith in legislation and uh, litigation. Now, if somebody wants to, to put out a case why these things are higher odds uh, than other things, like the litigation is higher than a 95, uh, sorry, a 5% chance of winning, I'd be welcome to hear that. I haven't heard anybody put that out, but I've talked to multiple lawyers that think it's about a 5% chance. Um, so that's not enough to stake your industry on. Um, and then legislation, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough call, but we've got the Cole Bishop amendments and we've got uh, the HR 2058 and you change the predicate date, but that is not a complete solution, not at all. Um, and who knows how quickly they will, uh, you know, if, if you have a grandfathered product and that grandfathered product's label is not compliant with the labeling standards that are going to be put out and you are forced to change your label does that negate your whole product because your product is not in compliance can you have non-compliant grandfathered products 
I'm going to say no. That's, that's the most likely answer. So you have a, a grandfather product and you're saying it's grandfathered, but it's not compliant as a grandfathered product under the Tobacco Control Act. But you're saying I was selling it that way before the law was written. The assumption right now is that that's going to fly. You know, it's, and I just, that's where, you know, you really need an Azeem or a Keller Heckman and somebody to really look at these things. I would like to see how he describes what he thinks that these uh, amendments will do. And I'll try and get him on the show. However, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because he's busy. So uh, I've actually, I'm going to try and reach out to Bill Godshall because I think that he is a scholar of this stuff. I've disagreed with him in the past, but to be frank, uh, I might have been wrong on some of those things. And I certainly was wrong about the chewing tobacco because I thought that was going to be a bigger deal and I was totally wrong on that. So I will try and reach out to Bill Godshall. I have not heard him do any broadcasts and I would like to bring him on and ask him some questions and I hope if anybody knows Bill Godshell, well, let, let him know. I'm going to be reaching out. I've got his email today, and I'm going to reach out and see if I can bring him on. Uh, because I think uh, there's unquestionably he's done his research. And I will uh, be respectful if I can get him on for sure. So uh, I guess uh, that's where we're at. The, the other thing is... Uh, if uh, VTA is going to totally eat the lunch, here's, here's something that, that uh, I'm not sure if I've talked about that you've heard, is that VTA uh, is having secret meetings in California to gather up uh, people to support that organization as a state organization in California. And what I would like to give feedback to anybody that is doing that with VTA right now is just can the secret meetings. Just announce that you are going to do a, we are going to bring companies in to have a discussion if you want to have VTA in California. Currently, there are some Safada chapters. Maybe those Safada chapters have some issues. I don't know all of the details of all of these things. But if VTA wants to come in and do a better job in California, which is what they're saying. I mean, what else would they be saying if if they're coming in and having these secret meetings with 20 to 30 different companies at a time? Uh, just just do it. Do it as a cattle call. Just can the secrecy, because that's to me, as I said, I think most of the world's problems are communication problem. People just not talking. So just talk. Just say we think we can do a better job, and we want to put it out in California. And if that's the case, maybe the people from Safada are going to go, you know what, we've, we've been working on 49 states, so uh, have at it, and we'll, we'll, we'll bug out. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but the jig is up, guys. VTA, hello. We know you're having secret meetings. Just, just do it. Just, just tell people what you're doing. Put it out there. Make your case and do it. And I know that this is this is something that Dimitri has done before, where there was a Safada group over in Massachusetts, and he and he ran up there. I'm just been invited, uh, just been invited, and they ended up having a Massachusetts SFA and all this other stuff. If you're gonna do it, just 
do it because we have these we've got what 70 days left and nobody has any time to figure out all this stuff if you if you've got a bet if if you got a good case everybody will listen and if you if you're going to make that case do it and do it with everybody because southern california is the silicon valley of vaping there is a community of companies down there they hang out in the same bars. They attend the same business-to-business groups out there. And I know that Dimitri uh, won't come over to ECC. He won't come over to uh, the, the Vape Summit. And, and, and for whatever reason, he doesn't want to be part of those B2B things. But there really is a community. And it is not as cutthroat as Dimitri put out in uh, that uh, regulatory watch. It is not cutthroat. We're all racing on the same racetrack. Some of us might be trying to cheat with our tires, right? We got stickier tires or we got our wheelbases out a little farther so we can go around the turns. Yeah, there's some stuff like that going on. And there's, you know, maybe, uh, maybe somebody, uh, you know, it's, 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 go- it's going to go down to restrictor plate racing for NASCAR fans. We're all going to have restrictor plates put on and we're still going to go around the same track as fast as we can, but we all are participating in the same thing. And, and so when Dimitri says it's a cutthroat business, that's what kind of set me off today, because I do think there is a vaping community. I do think it's a real thing. And I think that the businesses are more of a community than perhaps the vapors themselves. And yeah, everybody wants their product on the shelf. Everybody wants to be making their sales. But if for anybody, and and it's not Dimitri, because Dimitri doesn't come out to ECC. He just throws rocks at it. He doesn't come out to the vape summit. He just throws rocks at it. And and he'll complain that people have different uh, labels that are bad and things like that. But if you go to the business, business, to business to business things and you watch what is happening, it's not cutthroat. It's everybody trying to go over the same racing line. Everybody's trying to get there. And it's, it's, we're all on the same track. If somebody wipes out, if somebody crashes their car, you know, nobody has any, no, no glee for that. Nobody wants to see anybody's tires cut tires slashed. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants anybody else's throat cut. It's not a cutthroat business. It's just not. There's there's some assholes out there. You betcha. There, there's an asshole out there that wants to walk over to the shop that you're selling in and wants to get his product in. That's that's just racing. That's just racing, you know, and that's uh, it's like what is the what do they say uh, at Bristol, you know, Rubbing and ra- rubbing is racing in Bristol. When they go around that Bristol track, all the Southern uh, NASCAR vapors know this. They're all bumping and hitting each other, but they're all racing. Nobody wants to cut the throat. Nobody wants to put somebody else into the wall. So when Dimitri said that this business is a- filled with a bunch of people that want to put other e-liquid companies into the wall, I reject that. And that's the reason why I did this show today. Good night.